Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to another edition of the programme. We have got Sadie and John Paul again taking your calls this morning. If there is anything you would like to contact us uh, about and please, when you're contacting Sadie and John Paul, can I just ask people to please be kind. Yesterday, for some strange reason, maybe it was something was in the air. Maybe it was the moon was having an effect on people. I don't know, but there just seemed to be a lot of very angry people contacting the programme yesterday and for whatever reason shouting abuse at Sadie in particular seemed to, I think John Paul's skin has probably toughened over the years uh, from it even though it it drives me insane when I hear that people have abused John Paul on the phone Uh, but Sadie's new to it and she's been fantastic helping us out since this whole COVID-19 pandemic arrived on top of us and she just said yesterday was a particularly bad day with just some very abusive uh, phone calls calls to the point that she said even when she went home last night she was still thinking about one one or two of them and that just simply is not good 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 enough so please if you're in that frame of mind and you want to have a, a slagging match and to start shouting and using abusive language, then please don't ring us here. I really, do, I really do not want John Paul and Sadie having to deal with those type of calls. I don't know what it is about uh, some people that they feel that they can just you know, they can just let off steam. And I accept there are times when we all want to let let off steam. But don't be taking it out on John Paul and Sadie, OK? That's my rant over. 1850 Those phone lines are open for all of your calls, whatever you want to talk about, about, please. But just don't be abusive to the guys on the phone. You can text or WhatsApp as well to 0862-103-103. Just on the back of Barry reading out the death notices today, can I just pay reference to when we were talking yesterday about the late great... Uh, 
PJ Sheen and talking about with great sadness people heard the news of the loss of former Dáil Deputy uh, Paddy Sheen on Monday and we paid there were some lovely tributes paid to him and tributes that were really really well deserved and I know because of COVID-19 and government guidelines and restrictions on public gatherings, Paddy's funeral obviously is taking place privately. And it just struck me how big that funeral would have been if this was normal times and we were allowed to have the normal type of funerals we have in this country. It would have been absolutely massive. But obviously there are guidelines in place on public gatherings. So Paddy's family has to abide by that and the funeral will have to take place uh, privately. But Paddy's funeral cortege is going to wind through the roads and the areas recognising and I suppose and just on his final journey spending time with the people that he loved so much and there will be so many people will want to just come out and acknowledge and bid Paddy a final goodbye and just stand and just acknowledge that the cortege is uh, passing and the details of it has, has gone up on rip.ie but I accept that not everybody has access to the internet and not everybody's able to get online to find out the details so I'm more than willing uh, to call them out this morning and if I get a chance tomorrow as well I might ask John Paul to remind me I'll do it again tomorrow uh, morning because uh, the funeral is happening tomorrow Thursday August uh, 13th and it will start at 2 or more at half past 11 tomorrow morning, then passing through Doris at 12 noon, Ballydehob at 12.40. That will be via Bantry Cross. It's expected to be in Skull for five to one and then they should arrive in Goleen at approximately half past one for the private requiem mass which will get underway at uh, two o'clock in the local church in uh, Goleen. Goleen. Uh, so if people wanted to bid a final farewell to so many loyal friends and supporters you will have the opportunity tomorrow Thursday Tour more half past 11 Doris at 12 noon Bally de Hob at 12.40 and Skull 12.55 and then Goline for half past at one, the late great at Paddy Sheen. And just an update on a news story from this morning and that's the breaking news story of the post office in Middleton. Devastating fire last night and because of that the post office in Middleton is going to be out of service for the foreseeable future. Now general post office services will be available at Carrick Tuhill and Castle Magnor post offices. It is likely that all Department of Employment, Action and Social Protection customers will be catered for at the Castle Martyr post offices and payment will be available there after midday today. So if you're due to pick up a payment this morning, just hold off until after after midday and once the once the owners at Middleton Post Office has dealt with the immediate aftermath of the fire and they're, once they're able to access all of the damage they then begin work on restoring full service to Middleton. Now fortunately all of the mail and the parcel processing for the Middleton area is carried out at the delivery service unit at a separate location so therefore and thankfully it wasn't impacted by the fire and if you have any queries they should be directed to OnPost customer services you can either go online to OnPost.com or you can phone it's a Dublin number 01705-7600 01705-7600 but the most important message there if you are due today or across this week due to pick up a social welfare payment from Middleton Post Office you can either go to 
it's up to you. You can go to Carrick to Hill or to Castle Magna, whichever suits you. Now, we're going to be talking about face coverings and face masks in a couple of minutes on the programme because Deputy Michael Healy Ray, who owns a petrol station and a shop in Kerry, has said that he our members of his staff are not going to be enforcing face masks and this was an issue that when we since we've been started talking about face masks since they became mandatory on Monday that's the big question who's going to be enforcing it who's going to be the face mask police now we have heard that as a very last resort if the Gardaí need to be called they can be, co- be called because there's rules and regulations in place that allow the Gardaí to move in you can get fined up to two and a half thousand euro and are end up in prison for six months so there's very very serious sanctions if you're not wearing your face a covering but when somebody walks into a shop and I accept in this the very early days of it there will be people who genuinely will forget the mask is out in the car the mask is in another bag you left the mask at home whatever it is and people will literally just uh, forget some shops have been very good about saying to people excuse me you haven't got your mask and some shops may even be some shops may even provide you uh, with a mask but then there are other shopkeepers including our own Doll Deputy, Michael Healy Ray, who says, no, that's not our job. We're, we're shop owners. Shop workers are shop workers. It's not their job to enforce something, to enforce a rule that should be enforced by the Gardaí. So they're not going to be saying to anyone, where's your mask? If they walk into the shop, and even though we'll ask, I'm sure he, he has signage up. And I think signage is the way to go. Because I think if somebody goes to the door of a shop and sees a sign saying masks must be worn, it straight away draws attention to people that if they've forgotten their mask, they'll either go back to the car and get it or they won't go into the shop. They'll wait until they have a mask to go in to go into the shop. I, I really do think that that's the way to go because you can already see the shops that have the signage up. A lot of the supermarkets started doing that early on, even before it went mandatory on Monday, had signs up saying you must wear a face mask when you enter the store and people abide. We are, we are good to abide by rules. We really are. So I think if the signage is there, it will work. And certainly I'm seeing, I'm really pleased at the amount of face coverings. I'm seeing very little, especially since Monday, very little cases of people walking around without a mask. But yesterday it came up on the programme about face visors. And I've I've always said to people, because I there are people who have contacted us and who genuinely say, that they can't wear a face mask. They have tried. I know one lady who contacted us who tried wearing a face mask and it brought on a panic attack. And if people have suffered from anxiety or suffer from panic attacks, they will know what that sensation. It's a horrible, horrible sensation. And the very fact of having a mask across her mouth, in her mind, it built up, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And it brought on a panic attack. So she ended up in a right pickle saying, what am I going to do, you know, I want to be able to go out shopping. I want to be law abiding. So she wears a face visor and I see absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I've seen a number of older people seem to prefer the face visors as well. And maybe it's a breathing issue. Maybe they feel more comfortable with it. But yesterday we had somebody point out that a face visor is not going to give you the same protection as a face mask. And then I saw Nula O'Connor who is the COVID lead for the Irish College of General Practitioners. She was speaking on national radio yesterday and she is also saying and wants to remind people that a cloth face covering is more effective than the clear plastic visors. Now she does say while visors can be useful for communication purposes, they are less 
useful than a face covering, the ones that are being advised by Neffet. They're the cloth ones which cover both your nose and your mouth. She says, we know, for example, that the virus is coming out of your breath in our coughs and in our sneezes. So when you think about it, you want something that's going to capture any of the virus that you're going to admit to admit from your mouth or from your nose. So anything that fits smugly over your face or your nose, that will trap it. And that's the best chance of catching any virus particles. Then when you look at a face shield or a face visor, a face visor will offer you, the person wearing it, a good deal of protection Uh, particularly from a person that you're interacting with. And if you're interacting with a person, for example, who hasn't got a face covering on, then certainly that visor is going to give you a lot of protection because most of the virus then is going to be captured on the front of the face visor. But it doesn't stop all of the particles coming out of your mouth. It can get out the side or down underneath the visor. So there's kind of for and against the visors. But she's going with, as a the lead for the Irish College of General Practitioners, she recommends that it's a face uh, covering and Neffert have specified that it's the cloth face covering as opposed to a visor. And I remember many, many weeks ago, I think it was probably at the start of it looking like face coverings were going to be mandatory. And we had Dr Nick Flynn, who's a regular contributor to this uh, programme and he's been on so much and always so good to us whenever anything comes up about COVID and we need to have a GP on. He's he's always been fantastic. And I asked him, I specifically remember asking him about face coverings and saying, you know, for listeners who felt they couldn't wear, didn't want their mouth covered, found it very difficult, would a visor do? He was against the visor at the time. He said it doesn't give the same protection because you wear, you wear the mask to protect other people, not yourself. And he even said at that stage, it doesn't give full protection to, to the other person who you are interacting with. But I still go back to it is better than nothing. If you genuinely cannot wear a face mask, then I would say the visor is your best option. But you just need to be really, really careful when you're taking off those visors and how you sterilise those vi- those visors because you could be wearing it it's going to keep you safe but if you come in contact with somebody who has COVID-19 and the COVID-19 ends up on the front of that visor when you're taking off that visor it then gets onto your hands so you've got to wash your hands as soon and it's the same even for the face masks when you take the face mask off you need to wash your hands with a face covering face mask we use the washable ones straight into the machine to be washed at 60 degrees but for the visor you need to sanitise that immediately and once it is sanitised then you need to wash your hands as well 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862 103 103. Thank you uh, to people who are sending lovely texts in and being very supportive of John Paul and Sadie and saying what a great job they are doing and that they shouldn't have to listen to that kind of abuse on the phone. But summed up, I think, really nicely by Pat, who says, Good morning, Patricia. May I first say a big thank you to you and your team for keeping us sane over the past six months. And today we pray for the people who are suffering from anger. Thanking you, says uh, Pat. And you know, you are so right. And that's what I always try and do as well. My my good mother would have had a thing, would say something like, she used to say, offer it up to the holy souls when somebody wronged you or somebody did something mean to 
you. And I can never understand sometimes, you know, why people get so angry like that. And like sometimes I get here into the studio, the text message comes in and the WhatsApps and sometimes they can be really mean and nasty. And you sort of read them and you do your best to try to ignore them. But when it's there in print in, in front of you, we're all human and it does hurt and it, and it can hurt. And sometimes people, even only lately, somebody went to the bother of writing to me a really kind of horrible note. You know, and I accept that not everybody likes my style of broadcasting and that's fine. I don't I don't have an issue. The late, great Gay Byrne used to always say for every one that loved him, there was at least three people who detested him on the airwaves. So I, I accept that not everybody likes me. But that could so Somebody can go to the bother of writing a letter to say how bad the job I'm doing. The person actually said it made me smile uh, because I'm very proud of the fact that I'm almost 30 years doing the same programme. And they said in the letter, maybe you're 30 years too long in the seat. And I just said, I offered it up to the holy souls and said, look, if somebody wants to get that kind of anger out on a piece of paper, better they take it out on me than on anybody else. But thank you to people who are sending kind thoughts to Sadie and uh, to John Paul. I certainly will pass them on. Now, I mentioned earlier the funeral cortege for Paddy Sheehan on going on his final journey uh, tomorrow. Uh, to be buried in a private ceremony because of all the COVID and the government uh, guidelines. So he'll be buried a private ceremony in St. Patrick's in Goline in the adjoin- in the masses there with the funeral in the adjoining cemetery. But the cortege will go from Tourmore, Doris, Ballydehab, uh, Skull and on into Goline. But from ba- it's expected in Ballydehab at 12.40 and it says in brackets, I'm taking this from RIP.ie it says via Bantry Cross. That has prompted somebody to say, Patricia, where is Bantry Cross? Is it Doris Cross that that's meant to be? And I don't know the area that well enough to know. Is Bantry Cross and Doris Cross, are they two different places or are they both the same? It does say via Bantry Cross slash Barnaguiha, I think it's pronounced B-A-R-N-A-G-A-O-I-T-H-E Barnaguiha. So it's via Bantry Cross Barnaguiha. If that's Doris Cross, I'm not too sure. Maybe somebody can clarify that for one of our listeners. 1850-333-103. And hi, Patricia, could you please announce that the proceeds from the drive in bingo at Theo Park tomorrow night will be divided between the Ballylanders Daycare Centre and the Ballylanders Special Needs Association. Bingo will start at eight sharp. Please wear a mask. And they are proving so successful, the drive in bingos. Actually, somebody else was on about drive in bingo. Mary was on. Mary wants to know where can she purchase a bingo book for the drive-in bingo in Dunmanway? No, I don't know. Does that mean you have to purchase those bingo books in advance? Can anybody clarify that for us, please? For one of our listeners called Mary, she wants to know where can she purchase a bingo book for the drive-in bingo in Dunmanway. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. Now with the compulsory wearing of face coverings in all retail settings now in place since last Monday, some people are questioning who will be enforcing the new regulation. Will Independent Doll Deputy Michael Healy Ray, who runs a petrol station and supermarket in Kilgarvan says it's not the job of shop owners or workers to enforce the new rules and he joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia, to you and to your listeners. Oh, well, you're very welcome to the programme. Firstly, I know you want to remember our former West Cork TD, Paddy Sheehan, who passed away this week. You were an, an admirer of Paddy's. 
I was a fierce, loyal supporter of the late Paddy Joshihan because he was, to me, everything that a good politician should be. And, of course, I'm fierce sorry for his loss and that of his wife, Frances, who was buried last Thursday. And isn't it ironic that Paddy Joe, PJ, will be buried tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, just a week after Francis being laid to rest, he was only four days in the world without Francis. Everybody knows they were inseparable. She did the driving. They went to every funeral, every meeting. They went everywhere together. And they were what I would call a great couple of loyal servants to the people in their constituency. They both worked together. They had a very strong interest in community and supporting charitable organisations. And to Dermot, to Maeve, to Deirdre and you, Carey, uh, their family, I want to wish my sincerest sympathies because uh, Paddy Joe, I have great fond memories of himself and my late father. I driving my father to attend uh, events in West Cork and the entire Cork region and Paddy be there. And my, the, myself and Paddy and my late father would be up in the back of an old lorry <laughs> and Paddy'd make speeches like the famous night. He was in great form and he put his hands up to the crowd and he said, there's nothing between me and the Healy Rays, only a couple of tunnels. <laughs> so, the, the, one, the one thing that I'm full sure of is Paddy and, and um, Francis, they've earned a very soft bed in heaven because they worked so hard they were such good servants. And again, to me, he was everything that a real politician should be. And an awful lot of politicians in Ireland today, they don't actually get it. But the way I describe it to is PJ Sheehan, not only did he get it, but he had it. He knew what it took to be a good servant. He knew what it meant to be a person to represent people. And he did so in an excellent fashion. He'd be 88 next March. And every day when Francis was in Skull Community Hospital, he went to see her every day when it was allowed. And then into Bantry Hospital, where she got excellent care and where I know the family were so grateful for the care that she received. But uh, again, there are, there are an awful lot. And, and PJ Sheehan, the political world, is a poorer place without him. I used to love to ring him up when he was gone out of politics and he'd tell me, well, how are things across the border? You'd swear that we were North Korea <laughs> or somewhere in comparison to Cork. And uh, you are that we were in some far-flung place across the border. And then he'd be wanting to know what was happening above in Dublin. And of course, I'd give him all the lowdown and all of what was happening politically and he'd be delighted with that. Yeah, time. yeah. And I know when he finally decided to retire in 2011 uh, when he was interviewed about advice for, you know, would-be TDs and up-and-coming politicians uh, and those that would be taking his place uh, and the one thing he said was to his one piece of advice was keep your feet on the ground and don't let the power go to your head and he never let the power go to his head. Well, you can be sure of one thing he never did because another good friend of mine who was great friends with Petty Joe is a neighbour of mine, Donald Toomey. He would have been in the car going to events where we would have met Petty Joe and uh, Donald always said that uh, PJ Sheehan, there was only one and when they made him, they threw away the mould mm-hmm. because he had common sense in spades. He had political ability uh, and, and in, in a raw intelligence of political life that very few people have. 
And uh, that's why I admire him so much. He's a tremendous loss, uh, not only to his family, but to the constituency that he loved and served so well. And if I was, if I was to give the day talking about him, I'd feel inadequate that I, I'm not able to praise him enough mm, for well what said. I thought of him. Well and said. I could never pay a bigger tribute to anybody because I admired him. And and there's not a whole pile of politicians that I'd be saying these sorts of things about you know. So, uh, <laughs> that doesn't he, surprise me. <laughs> just to me, he was everything that a good person should be. And uh, and I'm so sorry. And I know that everybody in Cork and in Kerry and throughout the country that knew Paddy Joe, they'll be remembering him today and Francis from last week. And again, it's ironic that they were inseparable in life and now they're together in death. With only, he was only in the world four days without, without her, yeah. when, when, yeah, when he went to be with her and in heaven. It, as and I, as I said yesterday, if, uh, over time, the family will take comfort from that. I mean, it's too raw. Their, their bereavement is too raw at the moment. But in the, the coming months and years, they will take, I know they will take comfort from that. So I'm, I'm glad that we have you, have you on the programme today, uh, Michael, to give you the opportunity uh, to mention thank him. You, and I appreciate his, that very much. I'm well, very thankful. Well, he was—he was a—he was a great man, and and he was just—and we, we all dearly loved him. He was just a really nice, nice man. Okay, we've invited you on the program about uh, face coverings. Firstly, just on the face coverings, are you in? Were you in favour of making them mandatory in all indoor settings? Well, I'll put it to this way: anything that any one of us can do that might protect our older people, our younger people with low immune systems, of course, we should do it, and we will do it. Uh, but we, when I was asked the question about the face coverings, would I be enforcing it in my shop? And in other words, would I be like acting like the policeman? Absolutely not. Because my attitude is we, we have our sanitizing station, station going to the shop. Everything is as it should be in the, in the store and has been from the very, very beginning of this pandemic. And of course, on Monday morning, we put up the new signs telling people that it is now mandatory to wear the mask in the store. And I'm very glad, very, very glad to report what I'm being told is there's 100% compliance, 100%, that everybody that's going are wearing their mask. Now, if it so happens, and forget about my shop now, it could be anywhere. If a person jumps out of the car and maybe they're on the phone or they're addled or distracted with a child or something, and if they go into, the sh- into their shop without the mask, obviously they'll realise it the minute they go in because they'll see everybody else with them. So I think that the people will be very nice and compliant about this and that they will do what's required of them because at the end of the day, Patricia, you, me, all your listeners, all we want to do is protect the people who might get this illness and perhaps could get very ill out of it. So we have to be respectful of the rules, but it was just when the people from the independent asked me the straight question, as as you know, straight question. Straight answer. Yes, and they said, would I be enforcing it? And I said, absolutely not. I will be advising. I'll be hoping that the people will comply. But uh, we don't have the wherewithal to have somebody on the door advising people to know what they should or should not be doing. The staff have enough to do to, to serve the people. And of course, if a person was to forget the mask and not realise it, we'd give a gentle reminder and say, you might think of the mask the next, next time you're coming into the shop. And uh, But people are very, very good. And I'm delighted to say that everyone is compliant. And everywhere I go, I see everybody when they are out of the car, when they're going to the store or, or the hardware shop or wherever they're going into the local creamery or wherever they're going, they have the mask on the face. And isn't that great? If it saved one person, if it saved one old person from getting sick, 
wouldn't it be worth it all? Absolutely. And, but, and, but, and that's the way but I you, would And I think you're right. I do think the majority of people are taking on board all the messages and all the advice that we're getting from Neffet. But there will always be a small proportion of people who don't believe in any of this and think it's all made up and what are the government doing? I'm not going to abide by that. If you get people who are just bullheaded and won't wear a mask, would, would you challenge them and say... Well, uh, well, I wouldn't like that type of a situation, no, because to me, then that's playing with somebody else's health. And, I mean, ask anybody, do they like wearing the mask? No. And do they like having to sanitise their hands 50 times a day? No, they don't. But, like, again, we're doing this in the interest of not just our health, but, but like, I have to admit, one, one big paranoia that I have when I'm in Dublin is I'd be terrified of that I might put my hand on something and don't mind me about me getting sick, but that I'd be the cause of giving it to somebody else. And because Dublin is it's way more prevalent there than in other parts of the country. So... I'm ultra cautious when I go to, you know, when I'm when I'm doing my meetings and that in Dublin. So I, I'd be paranoid the other way. I'd be terrified of giving the illness to somebody else. And everybody should be that way because who wants to hurt or harm some other person? So for somebody to really give the two fingers to the rule, well, I would be totally opposed to that because that's not right or proper behaviour. That's like a person saying, or it's all right for me to drive my car with no insurance. I mean, what about if they if they are involved in, a, in an accident they, or, or, or hurt somebody and they have no insurance? So uh, rules are rules and we have to obey them whether we like them or not. But but my point when I was asked the question about the mask was, it, to me, it's not the place of the shopkeeper to, to, you know, to be enforcing it what I would call in a real tough way. Of course, you can gently remind the people. But what I'm seeing is they actually don't need reminding because they're so well aware of it, thanks to people like yourself on local radios and national radios and the the national print and the local print where people are, are talking about it and writing about it. And, and that's great. And even a debate like this, it might remind everybody today, well, yes, the rule did come in on Monday morning. And yes, you have to have the mask. And, uh, and just please think of it. And if you forget it, it's not the end of the world. But don't forget it a second time. Yeah, I likened it on Monday to when the plastic bag tax came in and in the early days you'd go shopping and you'd be kicking yourself because you forgot your reusable shopping bags now none of us will go to the to do a supermarket you know a full supermarket a big trolley shop nobody will go without their bags anymore we just have to get into the habit of like when you pick up your car keys your phone you pick up your mask but but look if you go back far enough in time and, and a pile of people forget these type of things when cars were being made at one time there was no safety belts inside in cars because they weren't deemed as something that was necessary. Another time, remember, the government, the Department of Health, had ads on the television reminding people when they were going out drinking. Remember, it was something like three. Then it came to, remember, two will do. In other words, that you could go out and have two pints and mm. drive away home. So time changes everything. There was one time people would take no notice of being on a motorbike without a, a helmet. And uh, because it wasn't a rule and it wasn't something that you had to do. So we have to change. We have to adapt. And it's like even work practices. I mean, there was one time uh, there was an awful lot of accidents, unfortunately, on building sites and places like that because 
uh, work safety and all to do with safety regulations weren't as stringent as, as stringent as they are today. And rightly so, we tidy up our act and we improve and and we bring in measures to protect people. And rather than people thinking, oh, these goddamn masks, they're a nuisance, I hate them, and we shouldn't have to wear them, look at it the other way. You could be protecting your parent or your nan or your child or your grandchild from getting ill. And that's the way to look at it. And I I'd, I'd just, I'd, I'd equate it this way. If, if you or I or anybody thought, that there was a child or a person in a hole or trapped in a corner wouldn't to go through fire and water to help them and to save them and to make them safe. Well, this is the same type of thing. We're fighting in it's the same as warfare, only we're fighting a virus. We're fighting a pandemic. And what we're trying to do is beat this into submission and get out on top of it. And then we can all get back to, to life in an hour. To, nor- to normal life. And how is how is Kerry doing? Are, are you full of visitors? Well, we have a lot of visitors, but I have to admit uh, that I'm very disappointed uh, in the fact that the pubs haven't been allowed to open. Because while I'm, while I'm explaining to you what I think is right, that we should all do everything that is required to beat this pandemic... I actually am of, of the belief that it's the wrong thing to keep the pubs closed, and I'll tell you why. I think that it's forcing people and concentrating into, we'll say, venues who, who have drink and food. Whereas if your local pub, your own small local pub in your own locality, if that was open, it would spread us out more evenly, and it would keep us more apart. And I really rely on our vintners, they're a group of people, remember, that to operate their business, they have to go before the courts every 12 months. The local guardie, any member of the public, can object to their licence. So they're a highly responsible group of people. If they were allowed to open their doors, they would operate their pubs in an excellent fashion. They would ensure that social distancing was being adhered to. They would ensure that they would do what was needed in their own individual pubs to make people safe. And I think that the government are actually wrong and Nefit are wrong in keeping our pubs closed. But the, again, that's a personal belief. And unfortunately, other people in politics don't agree with me. And they're keeping the pubs closed. And what yeah, I think... Anna, but I think they looked, to o- they looked to other countries, though, as well, Michael. And the evidence wasn't great coming out of other countries where but, pubs but, had opened. But can I can I contradict that in a way? And and first of all, to support you, that actually you're right in what you're saying. For instance, there was a cluster of 35 infections, and it was attributed to a pub in Scotland. But I want to remind you of one thing. Isn't it always said to us that the Irish pub culture is unique? We're different to everywhere else in Europe and throughout the world. The reason I believe we're unique is that our pub Traditionally, they're family-run pubs uh, of long-standing. And again, they're quite and rural-based. So I think that the uniqueness of the Irish pub culture would mean that our pubs could open and be safe, whereas to do the same in other parts of Europe might not be safe. And uh, I've seen what pubs are like in, in other parts of, of, of the world, and uh, I wouldn't want to be inside them 
in, in a million years. Well, I know, well, and that well, pub you're well, talking about in Aberdeen in Scotland was one of the big super pubs that, yeah, that we, don't, we don't really have here in this country. So, yeah, I accept your point. They're, it's very yeah. different. You can't, you can't compare like with like. Exactly. And, and you see, then another thing that we shouldn't uh, rule out is the fact that the government really have been unfair in allowing pubs that had restaurants to open and what they call wet pubs. And another thing that's very, very wrong and I've heard the Taoiseach say this, and as you know, when I'm on a programme, unless the other person is there, I don't ever want to be critical of anybody. But look, it's a fact. The Taoiseach, it came out of his mouth, and this is what he said. Our pubs and nightclubs. Sure, no one ever, ever, ever said anything about opening nightclubs. I'm not looking for nightclubs to open. I don't want nightclubs to open. That wouldn't be safe. That wouldn't be sensible. But he's trying to discredit and make our pubs look bad by using those two words in the same sentence. I mean, it's an outrageous thing to say our pubs and nightclubs have to stay closed and should stay closed because we never said anything about opening them. The people that own the nightclubs aren't even saying they should open because they know that it would be not proper or right to do so. But I but think that that was more to do with when they worked out the roadmap for the reopening of the country back in the very early days and the last phase should have been kicking in on the 10th of... August, or was it even the end of August? And for some reason, they had pubs and nightclubs down together because it was going to be the end of it and everything would be fine. But they should have never had those two together. Absolutely. Because that was crazy. How could you compare a nice country pub in some part of West Cork or South Korea or North Korea or East Korea or or any part of rural Ireland? How could you compare that pub with three or four or five or six people inside this to a nightclub? with 500 people yeah, no comparison. the night away. No comparison. No, I mean, that was madness. It okay. was madness. Okay, just before I let you go, there's a couple of people on about this uh, issue, including Derek saying, could you ask uh, Deputy Michael Healy-Ray while you have him on the programme, how does he feel about the expenses that senators claimed during uh, lockdown? This is, I don't know, have you seen the Irish Independent uh, today? The uh, Senate uh, closed for 90 days, but 48 members still got benefits on top of their salaries? I haven't read the article, but I heard it uh, when I was going along in the car. And uh, so I only have the facts that I just heard in a, in a, in a news announcement. And I, I, when I don't know the whole facts of who or what or how was involved, I, I'm not able to say enough about it. But I, whenever I'm asked questions like this about pay or about anything like that, all I can ever say is the rules are there and once, once people aren't doing anything illegal, I mean, what what can you say or do about a thing like that? Yeah, but there you can know? be illegal and there can be moral. Can oh, be t- yes, I know. Two but different issues. Without, with, without knowing the facts. I, okay, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And just a final one saying uh, to Michael Healy Ray, bless you for the lovely tribute to PJ Sheen and Francis. Well said, said one of our listeners. Okay. Well, could, could I just have one final thing on that? It's very easy to say something nice about somebody when you're telling the truth. Ah, okay. And you can't go wrong when you're telling the truth. And and Paddy Joe and Francis, they deserve every good thing and that God can give them now. They deserve it. And and I, I hope that they'll be safe and happy where they are. And I hope another thing too, I hope that Paddy Joe will meet my father <laughs> maybe tomorrow now when he'll be buried. And when he'll be above in heaven, I hope my father will be there to meet him. And you know, they might find a little pub open somewhere above there. <laughs> And they might have a little drink or two tomorrow night to celebrate the start of of a new afterlife. (laughs) We will leave it there. We will leave it there. Listen, thanks a million. Uh, Stay safe and, and we will talk again. Thanks for that. Good morning to you.
That is uh, Deputy Michael uh, Healy uh, Ray. And actually, just on that point, that a couple of listeners wanted uh, Michael, even though I, I felt sure because it's it's only a piece that was in the Irish Independent uh, this morning. Its uh, senators were have been awarded attendance and uh, subsistence payments for April and May this year, despite the fact that the upper house was closed at that time. The Senate uh, elections had taken place, but it took, of course, ninety days before they uh, they, they actually gathered on the twenty ninth of. Of, uh, June and there was senators shared 120,000 between them each month on average they got more than 4,000 euro apiece and the independent today are listing all of the senators and how much money that they claimed um, uh, attendance and subsistence even though the senate was closed 1850 333 103 This is Court Today Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Court's greatest couple of water outages just to give you some information on them. There is uh, repairs as we speak being done to a burst water main that is affecting supply in Liscarroll, Sally Park and the surrounding areas. Irish Water Cook County Council say about four o'clock this afternoon supply should be restored to those areas. That's Liscarroll, Sally Park and the surrounding areas. And there's also a burst water main affecting supply to Keelbridge, Mine Hill, Kiltra and the Mill Street and the surrounding areas and supply should be back there at about three o'clock this afternoon. Now GAA fans have been warned about a live streaming scam. Knocknagree officials this week posted a notice on their social media which revealed that one of their ma- matches was actually targeted by scammers. To tell us more Knocknagree PRO Patrick Hickey uh, joins me. Good morning to you Patrick. Hello Patricia, how are you? I'm, oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm very well. You, you would have to have me on after uh, Michael Healy Ray. That's uh, a hard act to follow, but I would do my best. <laughs> he's a tough act to follow, I'll tell you that. That's for uh, sure, that's uh, for sure. And you were meant to be on in the last hour, but he's such a tough act to follow, he ran over. But that's not unusual when we get chatting to Michael Healy Ray. Anyway, no I, dig- I digress. Can you outline this scam, please, and how it works? Well, uh, how, how it came about, well, I was, I was talking to a friend uh, Sunday evening, and of course, the, the talk was GA and matches and... The, the friend just happened to mention to me that um, the Knock Degree, our recent uh, game against St. Vincent's in the Championship, was up on YouTube. A live stream was up on uh, YouTube. And I kind of said that that, that can't be because we, we had actually organised an audio commentary of, of, our, of our game against St. Vincent's. We actually we, we, we worked with uh, Pat Mulcahy, who works, works for yourselves, and he, he did a fine commentary of the game for us. Uh, but I said it, co- it couldn't be on YouTube. If anything, it would be on our, our Facebook page. Um, so that evening, anyway, uh, Sunday evening, I sat down went on the phone and I, I typed into YouTube, um, Not Degree versus St. Vincent. And uh, to, 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 my, to my surprise and, and later shock, I discovered there were actually six different streams of that particular game. Uh, six options for people to click on to watch the Not Degree St. Vincent's game. So I, I said, I, I have to check this out anyway. So I, I, I clicked on one of the links. And, and I, I suppose the thing here to be, to be mindful of, uh, it's a very clever and sophisticated scam. Like in the notes attached to the video, they talk about a preview of the game and they will, they'll interview after and there'll be highlights and all these kinds of things. And you'll say to yourself, geez, that, that is some service, you know? Mm. So I followed the link and... The next thing, it took me out of YouTube uh, to another page 
And this one was even more impressive. There was a, a backdrop of Croke Park. And it had the, the Bon Secours Intermediate Championship fixture, Knocknagree versus St. Vincent, uh, in the title as well. It had the GA logo. And, of course, in the middle of it, then, a big fat play button. You know? So yeah. I said, I, I'll see where this goes. Uh, did that. Uh, and, of course, everything was free. You know, walk away. You can watch the match here. And then it asked me for my details, i.e. my personal details and my credit card. And uh, I pulled the handbrake at that stage. I, I, I smelled a rat. And did they say how much they were going to charge you to watch the match? I tell the truth, Patricia, I didn't get that far. Yeah, okay, you know, okay. You know, it was quite obvious what was going on, you know. you know, And I suppose, going back to the original post, you know, like you would be led to believe that this was legit because they, they actually had they had a collection of clips to do with Dr. Degree. I suppose we had various things now on YouTube from over the years. Yeah. And you you would actually think uh, someone in Dr. Degree had organised this for our supporters to watch the game. So they put some work into it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and of course, uh, having the inquiring mind I have, I said, you know, have they done this to other clubs or... <laughs> Is it, is it just not degree? So I suppose, like any person, I, I checked in with our good neighbours uh, in Valley Desmond and uh, Kiss Game, and they also had uh, the same setup for, for supporters of those clubs. Now, delving further into it, it seems what they are doing is uh, they're only focusing on clubs, as far as I could see, that are intermediate, premier intermediate, up to senior. And okay. Certainly, uh, in football, and I, I had a look at Killer as well. Again, I, I have connections there, and the same thing, the same service. All the notes done, all these services down here. Watch the game; it's so easy. And the danger is because they put the work in, and it looks official. You know, it looks like it's coming from the GAA. It looks like it's coming from a, a local club that people may say, "Usher, oh, sure, they're just going to charge the few bob to watch it." We'll give them well, the details. And I suppose the other thing, Patricia, is I suppose like I suppose with COVID nineteen and where we're at now, and everything is moving online. You know, like you even look at our own club, we we do our lot of draws on our Facebook. Uh, again, we 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 we've, we've a big jackpot at the moment, so we sell our tickets online as well. Like you know, and how I, how is that going for you, by the way, moving it online? It's good. It's good. Is I, it like? People, people, people are, you know, they're using the option anyway. They find it handy, you know, there's no queues, there's no delay, you know. Are you selling but, as many tickets? Uh, but, but I suppose we're, 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 we're not doing too bad. Oh, okay, we're okay. We're not doing too bad. You okay, know? okay. Um, look, it, it keeps the show on the road and that's the main thing. But I suppose what, what's happening is like, you know, like certainly the older generation, you know, I suppose if, if you talked to these people before and you said to them a stream, they, I suppose that was something you'd... <laughs> You dip your toe in, or you know, yeah. today you're more likely to say what's that than what's that. You know, things things have changed, like you know, and of course we're reading the newspapers all the time as well about, uh, especially local newspapers about games being streamed on YouTube. You know, and as you know yourself, you know it's very easy. Hop on YouTube, type in your club, type in the club they're playing, and there you go. The scam is straight in front of you, and it looks so legit. And during lockdown, a lot of older people who weren't already online suddenly went online so that they could connect with their families. So we do have more older people using the internet, I think, than ever before. And and those same people, they, they are our best GA supporters. They've yeah. been following us with years and, of course, with the restrictions. Now, on people going to matches, 
they're, they're out of their minds to get to these games, and if they can't, they want to watch them, you know. So whoever's doing this, you know, they know what they're doing. They've spotted an opportunity, and and they're going for it, like, you know. Okay, so, so just as, as a word warning, I mean, as you say, it, you already know it's happened in so many clubs. It's probably happening nationwide. Did you notify the Gardaí? I, I, it was the Irish examiner picked it up. You know, I, I haven't notified the Gardaí to this point, but I suppose it, 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 it should, it's something that should be done. I right. think I think you should. I think you should, because I, I do think this is is nationwide. This is not just happening in, in our neck of the woods. It's probably happening all over the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. all they need to do is get a handful of people who don't yeah. realise it's a scam? Give the details, and bank accounts will be will be clear will be cleared out. So for people, Absolutely. keep just keep an eye out for that. And and when are you next live streaming a match? This weekend, now we are playing the next round of the championship. We are playing Naval Vaughan, and we're hoping now to do another audio stream of that game. And that's so on your Facebook page, is it? That would only on our Facebook. Okay, page. and we that's don't, free. We don't, we don't, and it's free, again, we, it'll, and I suppose what I would say to other people listening to the show is, you know, a lot of clubs are doing, are doing streams, they're doing videos, they're doing audio, and once it's advertised through your local GA club, their social media, you know, that's perfectly fine, mm. you know. But I suppose um, what's happening is people are, you know, I suppose maybe last minute too, you can imagine, you know, the game is on, you know, I can't see you they type in the two teams and there it comes. And, yeah, and before, the before they know it, the they've handed yeah. over, over their money. Were you disappointed when they kept the cap on the 200 people outdoors? Do you remember? What they were, oh, the, sure. Yeah, well, we, we had been hoping for 500. Absolutely, you know, I, and I suppose, like, I suppose, given the recent spike and the numbers, you know, it, it, it was an understandable decision, like, you know, but I suppose on the other side, then, like, you know, I suppose when you think of GA, you know, it's an outdoor it's 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 in the outdoors, you know. You might have hoped for, a, for for some leniency on it, you know. But to be fair, you know, like the, the public health has to come first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're you're keeping are you keeping COVID nineteen away? Have you had any scares? All good. Everyone good. Thanks be to God. Okay, because I'm just seeing that the Clare GA Club um, Cracklow they've uh, now reported six positive cases of coronavirus amongst uh, their uh, members. That's a, that's a, a worry uh, for that particular uh, team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the restrictions are tough, aren't they? But people are getting on with them, Pat, Patrick. That's it, you know, like... I sw- Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Because like, like we said, with online, you know, people, people adapt very quickly. You know, we're, we're in a new world now. We've no choice, but we don't want those we don't want those scammers getting any of our money. Listen, thank you for Absolutely. highlighting it. Thank you for joining us, and continue. All good right. luck to Knock Degree GAA. Just one thing before I go there, Patricia. I suppose, thanks for having me on board. And, and can I say, I, I was listening to the previous hour. That person that took the trouble of writing a letter to you <laughs> to criticise you and your team is talking to their head. Now you're very kind. You're because very I know the, the, the people in this area, the people I talk to, have have so much time for you and the show. You know, so thanks for everything. You're very kind. Thank you very much. God bless. Mind yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. Patrick uh, Hickey, there, lovely man, uh, PRO of uh, Knocknagree, GAA. Folks, be very careful and talk to other people and warn other people who mightn't be listening to us this morning uh, that if they go on YouTube, they are not to give any details at all. All of those live streaming streams that have been done by loads and loads of GAA uh, clubs all over the country. And they're doing it because so few people can go to the matches and they know that they have so many fans but they put up those live streaming on their Facebook pages but all of them are free you shouldn't have to pay for any of them now back to some of your texts coming in on mask the mask wearing hi Patricia I work in a garage slash supermarket the amount of people still coming in not wearing masks is incredible God, I'm so disappointed to hear that and no one is prepared to in inverted commas police this so as to avoid confrontation shop staff are sitting ducks for abuse and they're now sitting ducks for disease. To people who can't wear a cloth mask, then please wear a visor. They may not protect you from everything, but they will help and everyone can wear a visor. And thanks, that's from a North Cork uh, listener who, like JP and Sadie, are fed up with the abuse that that they are getting while trying to do a day's work. Isn't that just shocking to think that? I just, we've come to the conclusion, certainly in the office, when we're talking about the abuse of calls and texts and whatever, that whatever it is about lockdown and maybe it's a maybe it's a little bit of frustration and maybe it's just people not coping with the pandemic and I'm always the first to jump in and say before I criticise anyone you never know what's going on in somebody else's world and when people get very angry like that you just you don't know what's going on in their lives and we we try to offer forgiveness for it in, instead but there does seem to be an increase in angry and abusive people and is that directly linked to the pandemic? Because I, I certainly think it is. Anyway, let's go back to mask wearing. Patricia, there, there are a number of people with very ill-fitting masks who never stop fiddling and adjusting them. Wearing a visor in conjunction with a mask certainly reduces the urge to stop adjusting and touching the front of the mask. It also offers good protection to wearers uh, because through the eyes you can pick up COVID-19 through the eyes. Yeah, I mean that's the gold class standard, isn't it? Is to have a face mask 
and then to have a visor on over it. Absolutely, that's the gold class standard. But I think for people who are wearing the visors, they are the people who can't wear the face mask. But you are right. I have noticed that myself. People fiddling with their face mask. And that was one of the dangers at the start of the pandemic when effort wouldn't come out and tell everyone to wear face masks, they said, because too many people are wearing them and wearing them incorrectly. And you are putting yourself, the mask wearer, at more risk of picking up COVID-19 if you're wearing the mask wrong or if you're constantly fiddling with it. That's why it's so important to the putting on the mask and taking off the mask. There are very strict guidelines around that. And of course, washing your hands after you take the mask off into a pop it into a bag if you have a little plastic bag with you and get it home to wash it at, at 60 degrees or if they're disposable ones in a bin please I went out for a walk yesterday and on my little walk and it wasn't a very far walk I was only out for about 25 minutes and I counted six disposable masks on the ground couldn't believe it it's just we need to get people to throw their masks away. I was in a local shop last evening, says this texter. Everybody had masks on. Someone came to the door and it just dawned on them when they got to the door of the shop. No mask. They went back to the car and they got it. Except, and isn't there always an except? This young man, shoulders back, chest out, straight into the shop. Nobody said anything. I couldn't believe any. And by the way, I can't believe that anyone's been nasty uh, to jump on to, to Sadie. It's hard for people to confront somebody people are afraid of what happens when you confront somebody because we've had a caller to the programme this morning saying that where's that text gone that John Paul sent in to me somebody contacted us to say Anne was it was it was it Anne uh, I work in a shop and as a customer was coming no that was somebody else there was a call there was a text in from somebody else Maria sorry couldn't find it Maria says I just want to no, that's not it either. Sorry, there was somebody sent in a text about in their shop yesterday. This is a Jerry. Jerry says, I went into my store yesterday and my st- and I had staff, I had a staff member in tears over a woman abusing her. People think they have a right to call people whatever they want to and give them any kind of abuse. And that's what happens. And that's why I think some shop workers are fearful of confronting. Others are very brave about it and will say, please put your mask on or you know I think even Michael Healy Ray was when he was saying that well I think it was a bit misinterpreted when he was saying he wouldn't enforce it he'll give gentle reminders which is exactly what, what the Garda Shikana do they educate and they try and encourage people rather than go down the enforcement route firstly and he says gentle reminders to people and if you point out to people you haven't got your mask people will go back to the car and get the mask but then you will have some people who are just afraid to confront somebody in case they think that they're going to get a bit aggressive because Dennis on what Michael Healy Ray was saying uh, and for shopkeepers who don't want to in be seen as the enforcers of the mask rule says uh, why would would a shop owner refuse a seven or eight year old who comes in and wants to buy a packet of blades or a packet of cigarettes or is looking for a few naggins of vodka shop owners can't have it all one way they are already enforcing a number of laws like selling of cigarettes to under 18s selling of alcohol to under uh, 18s uh, so shopkeepers should be doing the same thing with the wearing of a mask and somebody else was saying ask Michael Healy Ray if somebody walked into his shop uh, smoking what would he do you know the theory being that shop owners already are enforcing rules and regulations 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs 
Full and part-time window fitters are wanted to work in the Mallow area, while a full-time cook is wanted for immediate start. That's in Bantry Town Centre. Digger driver wanted for work. New housing scheme in Canturk. And a person is wanted for car and van sales. That's in Formoy. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now we have been contacted by some of our listeners whose driving licences were due for renewal on or after the 1st of July and they're finding it difficult to get an appointment at the NDLS centres due to the backlogs that were created uh, due to COVID-19 restrictions. Limerick TD, Deputy Kieran O'Donnell, Ray joins me uh, with an update on this uh, issue because he raised this uh, itch, uh, issue uh, at the Dáil. Uh, good morning to you, Kieran. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, you raised the issue with the Minister of State, Deputy Nocton. There was an anomaly here, wasn't there? Yeah, the anomaly was, was a pretty straightforward one that because the, the, there are certain categories of people that cannot renew online, uh, and these categories of people would be the principal ones would be over 70s. Uh, they're not, they have to effectively go to the, the National Driving uh, Licence Services, the centres, which obviously you'd have a number of them in, in your area. Uh, we have them here in Limerick as well. So what was happening, they were closed. Uh, prior to this, people could uh, walk in off the street. With COVID, then they closed the centres and then they opened the centres um, in June, uh, very early June, actually, on the 8th of June, but they required people to apply online. And when people applied online, the problem was it then became nearly eight weeks to waiting to actually be called to the centres to actually renew their, their driving licence. Mm. The anomaly arose that any driving licence that was out of date between, expired between the 1st of March and the 30th of June, they got a four-month extension. Once, and so therefore you could have someone who will say their driving licence expired on, say, the 30th of June, they would get then, they would get uh, July, August, September. They would get to the 30th of October to renew their, their license. They could apply online. They'd still be a two-month wait, but they would be able to get it on at that time. Whereas someone on the 1st of July had no extension up to a short time ago. So they were effectively, I suppose, in reality, their license was 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 not valid. And they yeah, were applying online. We had... We had one listener contacted us who was, was the beginning of July and she was able to get an appointment which was for the end of August. She lived yeah. in a very rural area. She said, I need yeah. my car. And she said, I can't drive without a valid driving licence. So the, so the anomaly was that someone on the 30th of June that their licence expired had a further four months to um, get their licence renewed and they could continue to drive. For someone on the 1st of July, uh, they expired on that day but were unable to. Now, that anomaly has been corrected. So as of Monday, and it's a matter I rose in the door specifically on that issue, uh, that matter has now been corrected. So from it's now in place, and it, it was brought in by, by a statutory instrument, which is just effectively variation legislation by the minister, which any driving licence that expires between the 1st of March and the 30th, uh, of 31st of August has a seven-month extension in which to renew their licence. Great. Uh, and 
I suppose, a few practical measures for people. You can, you, you are unable in any circumstances to renew your license. You can only renew it within three months of the date of expiry of your license. So what they've done now is that they've moved it. So if you looked at the date of, of expiry of your license, that's now moved back by seven months. So someone will say in the 1st of July, or someone, yeah, they'd be moved back to the 1st of February. They can now only apply for their license from the 1st of November, three months prior to that date. So the National Driving Licence Centres, they're contacting people uh, that would have already applied for appointments in, in July and August to cancel their appointments so they can catch up in the backlog. The, this, this change has come about because the RSA are unable to cope with the demand with the backlog because they were closed during COVID to get licenses um, out. And to, sorry, to, to, to deal with people that have to physically visit the National Driving Licence Centres to renew their licence. And there are a number of categories I, I made reference to, the over 70s. It would also apply to people that are uh, first-time learner permits, first-time driving licence, people, trucks or, or bus categories, um, the other aspect as well that people should be aware for over 70s, they would have required typically a medical report. Mm. Uh, that, that's been, there's an exemption has been given on that up to the, the end of this year bar certain categories that would have medical conditions, specific medical conditions. Um, that would be, a, they can see on, on the license, the driving license application form renewal. So I think, I suppose the key message really for people are, number one, um, you have no worries to, to drive now, even if your license appears to be out of date at the moment. So let's say typically someone that said our license was out on the 1st of August. They would have been worried about driving with their license because they'd have said their driving license is out of date. That's no longer the case. They now have seven months from the date of expiry of their license to renew their, their driving license if they have to. And that's for anyone, regardless of whether you apply online. If you apply online, typically taking between five and eight working days for a license to issue. The real category this applies to are people that have to visit. Yes, call in in person. And the and the other thing, and we've been mentioning this since the start of when they reopened. You, they're not accepting walk-ins before. You could always just walk in. You, you're not. You have to now make an appointment. But when I, when I mentioned that you were going to be joining us on the program this morning, Kieran, a couple of people have contacted us and pointing out another problem that they are yeah. that they have, and that's people who don't have a credit or a debit card. You can yeah. only now pay by credit or debit card. I know you can do Google Pay and Apple Pay, but if you don't have a credit or debit card, you don't. Have Google Pay or Apple Pay they're not taking cash checks or postal orders that's a problem now I know it's probably a small cohort of people but it is a problem for some Yeah and it's an issue that we would have uh, I would have brought up with the Minister in that this is all a consequence of COVID and you know you have many shops and they they just go and restaurants were just um, paperless so it is a feature that many people would have well where it arises with people maybe that are over 70 many of them are now computer literates would have access to computers um, but many of them would not and they would have normally walked into the centre uh, also they would have paid in cash now they're required to what I would say if people haven't accessed themselves through their families or, or friends uh, go to their citizen information centre go to their local public rep to get the appointment made online and then 
the issue then is it does make it more difficult for them to pay. It's a matter I'm taking up with the Minister to see. Please do. Please, please do. Cause, and I know we're all moving towards a cashless society, but there's always yeah. going to be a cohort of people who always only like to deal in cash. Somebody well, else says if your test comes up, your driving test comes up and your learner permit obviously is out of date, is that yeah. still OK? Will you still be able to sit the test on the day with an out of date learner permit? Say that last one, or the last point. Uh, the, if your test comes up, will your licence still be okay? Will you still be able to sit the test even yes. though your learner permit says it's out of date? Yes, because effectively, the, the, no, the learner permits are slightly different. Uh, they had a four-month extension um, from the 1st of March to the 30th of June. Anyone from the 1st of July, they've only got uh, four months. So they'd want to be careful to ensure and they can only apply within three months. So I think what learner permits would want to be very careful about is that the seven-month rule will apply to people that their their learner permit was out of date between the 1st of March and the 30th of June. They'll get a seven-month extension, an eight-month extension, actually. But anyone from the 1st of July and March is only getting four months. So what I would say to learner permits is so long as they've applied within three months of their revised uh, extension date, um, then they're perfectly entitled, I would uh, expect, to sit the driving test. It's it's to look, so there are slightly different extensions for learner uh, permit holders than the normal the, the, the normal driving licence. So they just need to be careful on the date. So for the for anyone, generally, it's from the 1st of, of March to the 31st of August, they have a seven-month extension. For learner permits, you look at two areas. From the 1st of March to the 30th of June, they have four months, and they're after getting a further four months. So they, they have eight months, but anyone from the 1st of July onwards, they have only four months. So it, it did, and that's a bit of an anomaly that I'm going back to the okay. minister on. All right, lots of things to be sorted. <laughs> I'm over 70, says this texter. My licence is out on the 16th of October. Will I be able to get my licence? I have my form all filled in. There's somebody well well in advance. They've now over 70, Will he'll, they'll have got the extension. You're correct. Well, yeah. in their case, no, it's slightly different. So from the first, uh, it doesn't really apply to them. From the 1st of March to the 31st of August, they get a seven-month extension. Now, if their license... Oh, yeah, sorry, 16th of, Oct- of October, yes. Then all, yeah, all they correct. have to worry about is they must apply with three months. They can only apply within three months prior to the 16th of October. So that would be September, uh, August, July. So they can only apply from the 16th of July on. So it doesn't apply to them. So it only applies to all uh, license holders that are expiry dates fall between the 1st of March and the 31st of August. Yeah, OK. And this person has their form filled in. Get it yeah, in, can, get can, it can, in and get just, it off. Correct. And I can just make one. The over 70s is where it really arose for us, uh, Patricia. We had a lot of over 70s ringing us. And it's a lifeline for them in terms of mobility. And they were very conscious that the fact that for many of them, and we, it, it came very much to the fore in early July, mid-July for us. And that's why I think the law needed to be changed as quickly as possible. But the reassurance is out there now for someone that where their licence uh, expired between the 1st of March and the 31st of August, they now have seven months. That's great. From, from the date of expiry of their licence to renew their licence. Okay, cause, and I think when the original extension was put in, it was never put in to create this anomaly, but I don't think anybody realised how long this was going to go on for or how long the NDLS well, the, the, was the, going the to be closed. The situation, situation arose here really, Patricia, that 
the, the National Driving Licence Centres, they were closed. Mm. They a major backlog of, we'll say, in people being able to visit the ones that need to visit the over 70s and the other categories. And it, this is this extension is born out of the fact that people are applying on time, but unfortunately they could be waiting up to eight weeks for a National Driving Licence Centre um, we'll say, appointment. That's two months of the three months. So, like, you could have someone there who they can only apply three months prior. So let's say they left it for a month and mm. they only applied two months before. They certainly mightn't get an appointment until yeah. after the date of the expiry. So that's this is brought in to ensure that the National Driving Licence Centres can catch up on the backlog and that people can, can then drive can continue to drive with, with licences that are valid until such time as their licence can be renewed. Okay, and we won't even get into the backlog when it comes to actually doing a driving test because that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> but Kieran, we leave it there. Listen, I appreciate that. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning bye. to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Limerick Doll Deputy, uh, Kieran O'Donnell. And actually, a listener has just sent in a text saying, my daughter's licence is out with three years. She didn't have a car, but she now wants to buy a car. What will happen there? And well, I know for a licence that's out of date by three years, she's going to have to apply online. She's going to have to go into the NDLS uh, centre herself. I would tell her, get applying because of that backlog that's in place. Uh, 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On Monday of this week, two friends from West Cork decided to get on their bikes and head off on a tour of the Irish coastline, which they expect will take them four weeks to chat about their fundraising cycle. I'm joined by Joe McCarthy from uh, Drimley. Good morning to you, Joe. Hello, Patricia, how are you? I'm very well, and I know your partner in crime is Sean Gordon from Rascarbury, who no doubt is beside you there. Yeah. Can you just explain to us how this trip came about? Um, I suppose we just, we've been thinking about doing a trip around Europe, maybe for um, a beast, but then with the whole COVID situation, uh, that kind of ruined that. But um, we always wanted to do kind of a long cycling trip, um, and then just, I don't know, it's said Kerry first and it kind of expanded on to Ireland then and before we know it we're, we're knee deep in, <laughs> in trouble and you're literally going the whole way around the country on the coast road is it? Yeah that's the plan and we were starting off in Ross um, Monday and we headed off there at half nine went in just before Clarny and we stayed in Finfest there with um, uh, one of my friends from college and uh, in fairness to mission uh Mike, they really sorted us out for the night. And um, then we went on yesterday to just, we went into Clorogland and uh, on to, just into camp um, where we stayed with Lucy Fitzgerald and we're kind of heading up clear Galway direction now the next couple of days. And have you some place to stay every night? No, we actually don't. We're uh, camping. We've camping gear on the back of the bike. So we've everything with us, like camping stove, food, Sleeping mats, sleeping bags. So we'll be camping out wherever we can. And I mean, we can get a house, all the better. But I mean, Ireland's so beautiful anyway. We'll happily camp away. Uh, this is Sean, is it Sean? It is, oh, it is Sean. Sorry, I didn't realise you were both on the line. That's perfect. It's great to, great to have you both on the line. So you have the camping gear. How do you both know each other? How, where, where's that connection coming from? Um, I suppose we, we went to second, I went to second school in Ross. And um, we just kind of, we've been in the same class since first year and kind of best friends since then really and work, we're working in the Celtic Cross as well um, in Roscarbury we've been there the last three or four summers and 
Yeah, I suppose that's yeah. And Sean, are you both keen cyclists? Uh, no, no, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> no, this is probably the first ever cycle. We did one training cycle. Like in fairness, we'd we'd run quite a lot, and um, so you're fit. We're not too bad. But I mean, cycling, this is, yeah, we threw ourselves in the deep end. <laughs> it's very different, guys. It's, it's Sean, whose bike are you on? Um, I'm on my father's bike. So you I actually borrowed your father's I had, bike? I had to borrow it, yeah. I had no bike myself. And, and, the, uh, and then, Joe, you had to go out and buy one? I had to go out and buy one, yeah. I haven't had a bike in about nine or ten years, I'd say. So, um, yeah. And you, you've, you're, okay, so you're two and a half days in. How are you both feeling, Joe? Um, not too bad, in fairness. Uh, I thought it'd be a bit worse. Um, the saddle is, I'd say, it will take its toll, all right, over the next few days. But uh, at the moment, it's all all right. Like, yeah, not feeling too bad. Sean, are you the same? I'm pretty much the same, all right. Yeah, it's kind of coping. Like, uh, we had a bit of an issue with the pannier already. So we had to do some running repairs. It kind of fell apart last night. So I said, I want you picking up a new one. But, um... No, the body's all right, though. Is it? Well done. Well done. You're fit, guys, and that's, that's the most important thing. Have you any backup team travelling with you? No. No, no, we don't, no. Um, in fairness, the two mammies, they'd look after us well all right on the first day, but um, it's kind of on our own then from there. But, uh, yeah, I would be fine. And yet the two mammies will be expecting a phone call someday when, and you'll be up in the wilds of May. <laughs> <laughs> be up in the wilds of Donegal Mammy how do I sort this okay and of course obviously it's a great adventure for, for you both but you're doing it for charity yeah absolutely but it's two great charities um, we're, we're uh, donating to West Park Rapid Response and Pieta House so they're both charities that do work on local and national level it's West Park Rapid Response do brilliant work around our country like all West Park and they've been going for over 10 years now and then Pieta House I mean they've affected almost every family in in all of Ireland, I'd say, you know, and they they really help. So we wanted to give something back. Well done, and you have it up on it's on a is it on a GoFundMe page? It's a GoFundMe page, which I know we'll we'll share in our uh, social media um, as well. And outside of cycling around the country, what are both of you, both the two of you, up to career wise? Um, we both kind of we just both finished our undergrad degrees there this year. I was in um, UCD. I did animal science. And Sean was in UCT and he did math science. And um, Sean's hoping to go on now to do a master's in France now over the next two years. And I'm going back studying um, veterinary medicine in UCD. Oh, it's just, there's, still, there's still more uh, study. Sean, and you won't be heading to France this oh, side of uh, Christmas anyway. Well, I know the way it's looking at the moment, unfortunately. But um, like it's not too bad. I mean, online learning yeah, we have to do something. Yeah, but you will indeed. I'll get there at some stage. And that's the furthest thing from your mind at the moment. It's the road in I front know. of you is the important <laughs> thing. So where where are you as we speak? Uh, we're just in Glenerville. There, we're outside and um, the big windmill. Literally, um, literally. And the weather? Fantastic. Yeah, very really nice, really lovely yeah. weather. Okay, there's a bit of rain forecast for next week, but we won't talk about that yet. <laughs> Would you, would would you mind if we hooked up with you again next week and and kind of keep a running track on how you're getting on? No, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'll, I'll 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 get John Paul to sort out a day and a time that suits us all. Listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you both. We wish you luck. Well, you're a credit to both of your families. Get back on the bikes and uh, cycle away and stay safe as well.
Thanks Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. Bye bye. Joe McCarthy from Dream League and uh, Sean Gordon from Ross Garby, two uh, wonderful young men. And just doing, uh, just, and for charity, for two fantastic charities, Beta House and the wonderful uh, West Cork Rapid Response that we know only too well on this programme, the fantastic work that they do. So we wish them well as they travel around the country four weeks on two bicycles. It's not an easy ask, I'll tell you that. We'll check in with them again uh, next week and we will share their GoFundMe page up on our social media platform if anybody would like to donate to the two terrific uh, charities. 1850-333-103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Thank you to Maria who said kind things about the programme and about John Paul and uh, Sadie. Thank you for that but when Maria was on the line she also wants us to say a big thank you to all of the staff in St Joseph's Ward at the Mercy who she says that she knows that they're listening to the radio at the moment. So hi to everybody in St Joseph's Ward in the Mercy. Uh, Maria saying kind things about you. Thank you for that Maria. Still getting in calls about people getting verbal abuse in shops. Anne says, I work in a shop and as a customer was coming in through the door, I just very politely said, would you mind sanitising and could you please remember to put on your mask? She started verbally abusing me and I said, look, if you're not happy, you can leave the shop. But these are the rules. Hand sanitise and put your mask on. But she she stood there, kept abusing me. Uh, There was more than one. There must have been two people. They then started calling me a dictator. And then they left. So yes, I feel, Suzanne, that people are getting very rude and have become more rude since uh, locked uh, since lockdown. Says Anne, who says, "Tell Sadie, keep her head up, and don't mind those uh, people." Also, Eileen in Crookstown says the people doing this abuse, particularly of those in retail staff and in in shops and indeed into yourselves there at the programme, they are the ones with the problem. They have a chip on their shoulder, idle minds and all of that. Anne says, I was in a shop yesterday and there was a lady with her son. The the woman took her mask off and started sneezing away next to me. Now, I didn't approach her, but I did say it to a staff member. What was the point of taking her mask off? She obviously got a sneezing fit, but that's the whole idea of leaving the mask on when you get a sneezing fit like that or you start to cough. And remember the advice that was given to somebody who had very bad asthma where they feel that they can't breathe and they feel they need to cough and their consultant says just go outside the shop go into a quiet place away from everybody take your mask off and have your coughing fish but then put your mask back on and you know maybe it was something like that about a hay fever or something but but why you would take your mask off and start sneezing indoors with other people around with everybody so nervous at the moment as well. Uh, thank you for that Sean says I'm delighted that masks have become mandatory Sean's mantra is masks for all please but he was in his regular pharmacy the other day and he noticed masks were on sale all of the pharmacies by the way are selling the cloth masks the disposable masks and they're great for selling the visors as well but Sean noticed one particular type of mask he said they were on sale in this chemist shop for 5 euro they're suddenly now being sold for 10 euro why is it all about money says Sean and he finds that a bit annoying that people can start putting up prices uh, Oh I like this this is from Eileen in Mitchellstown to says Patricia must say you say, everybody there at the, ra- at the radio station you're doing a great job thank you for that Nasty people have always been there they're just shouting louder at the moment they must be very unhappy people I just pity them because there's no need to be nasty you get a lot more done with honey 
than you do with vinegar. I've never heard that saying before, but you, it is so true and so right. And that's from Eileen in Richestown. Thank you for that. And then can I pay reference to Tim? Tim is one of our regular texters to the programme. And he's a gentleman I would describe as being, he's a lot of opinions on a lot of things. I certainly don't always agree with Tim's opinion. And Tim, if you're listening now, I don't always read out your texts because of the tone of some of your texts. But anyway, Tim was listening to the fact that I said we were getting some abuse here to the programme, myself included. And Tim says in his text, we might not all love you, but you are competent and efficient and you do what is, is expected of you. I don't know whether that's a backhanded compliment or not. I'm competent and efficient and you do what is expected of you. So I take, I will take it as a compliment, Tim, coming from you. Thank you for that. Not getting into the rest of your texts because you're, you're having a go at other people and I'm certainly not going to, go, going to join in on that sing song. But I will take your compliment even if, if it does make me feel a little bit like it's a backhanded compliment. But I shall take it on board. Thank you. OK, also coming in. This is one from Sheila. Thank you, Sheila, for this. Hi, Patricia. Just a word of warning, please to people. Don't leave a visor in the seat of your car because it can go on fire in the sun. I left mine for only a half an hour and when I got back the seat was red hot. There's a word of warning and one that I hadn't thought about. So be careful in because I know in the warm weather, I know yesterday afternoon when I was leaving the building here it's about half past two in the afternoon obviously my car had been parked in the sun. Oh my God when I opened the car door it was absolutely stifling so I suppose if you have a visor sitting on a seat and the sun beaming in on top of it just be really really careful something I hadn't thought about so thank you for that uh, Sheila Hi Patricia hope you are well Um, I, I am thank you very much I have a query please regarding people going back to work with underlying health conditions thinking of two people in particular one very high risk Actually, at the time when lockdown came, this person was told to cocoon. The other would be in another high risk group. And then my daughter is an SNA in a secondary school and she would also be deemed high risk. What is the situation with regard to that? And signed a worried mother. And it got me thinking, I, we're, I have to look for advice because I don't know the exact advice to give you. I would think in normal employers, in private, in, you know, private employment, that it's a discussion that you would possibly have with your employer if you are feeling very, very nervous about going back and you don't certainly don't want to put yourself into a situation where you're at risk of picking up COVID-19 if you were in one of the at-risk groups. Uh, what we've decided to do is we're going to send a query into the Department of the Taoiseach to see if they can give us what is the guidance. So it, it's, it's like it's a labour law, isn't it? What, what, what happens? I mean, do you lose your job if you feel you can't go back? Are you still entitled if you're out on the COVID-19 payment? Are you entitled to remain on that until you feel comfortable enough to go back? And for the SNA in the secondary school, I'm assuming that there are also some teachers and other people who work in schools that are probably getting a little bit nervous about heading back into the classrooms at the end of this month. Where do they stand if they feel, from a medical point of view, they don't want to put themselves in a position where they could pick up COVID-19? So we'll send on a corresponding email to the Department of Education to see if we can get any clarification from them. But I'm assuming that, you know, your daughter is an SNA. If she is in a high risk group with an underlying health condition, I can understand 
your nervousness and her nervousness. As I say, I'm assuming that there are also some teachers. We'll see if we can get guidance because I know when I was speaking with Anne Pickett, you know, Anne Pickett is the new president, Cork-based president of the ASTI. I did ask her that last week. Are there some teachers nervous about going back? And she said there was. But I don't know. There's a difference about being nervous about it and what actually happens if you decide to go down the route? No, I don't want to go into. I don't want to go into the classroom. So just leave it with us, and we'll send the email off. Now we don't always get emails back. It might take a day or two, but we'll we'll keep a close eye on it. And if there's anybody else who has advice for this mum, anybody else is in that same situation who went to their employer either in the public service or in the private sector and said, "Look, I'm just nervous about going back. What actually happened?" What payments were you entitled to? Did you still, for example, stay on the COVID-19 payment? I mean, that would be the worry if you gave up your job because you decided, no, I don't want to go back because I just don't feel health-wise that I would be able for the job. I, do, I just don't know what happens happens there. We'll see if we can get to the bottom of it uh, for you. 1850-333-103. Mike says, Patricia, you're on about masks this morning. I find the wearing of masks very difficult as I have a beard but I suck it up and I put it on anyway. And I can see on your WhatsApps with the WhatsApp, if you have a profile picture, your picture comes up and you've got a fine beard indeed, Mike. But well done, even though it must be very difficult with with a big beard like that to wear a mask. But he's doing the right thing and, and he's wearing it. So well done, Mike. And I, Patricia, with regards to the text stating that shopkeepers are already enforcing some laws, not selling drink, not selling alcohol to under the underage, for example. And therefore, they should be enforcing people to wear masks. The difference here is, says this texter, shopkeepers will be fined if they sell drink or alcohol to underage. There's no such penalty for serving a customer without a mask. So it's a very, very different piece of legislation. And you are spot on 100% with that. 1850-333-103. Don't forget it is Wednesday. If you have a gardening question for Peter Dowdle, be sure to get that into us, please. 1850-333-103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And a reminder, because we just spoke to them, Joe McCarthy and Sean Gordon are cycling around Ireland's coastline until early September. They're raising funds for the West Cork Rapid Response and Pieta House. And you can support them and track their entertaining journey through their GoFundMe page. And their GoFundMe page is called Doing the Loop. Castletown Bear Development Association, their drive-in bingo is on Friday night at the pier. Starts at half past eight. They are advising people to please come early. Lismire Parish will be collecting for Cork Penny Dinners next Sunday. They're accepting donations of home baking, non-perishable items and they're also accepting donations of cash for Cork Penny Dinners. And Charlie for GAA, they're holding a drive-in bingo next Sunday at their GAA grounds. That's on Baker's Road and their bingo will start at four o'clock next Sunday afternoon. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 Okay, and we're trying, we've been trying to find out what happens if somebody is nervous about going back to work. People who've been on since the start of the lockdown people who are off because they were told to cocoon because of a health condition for example what happens to them now if they're asked to go back to work 
the obvious example are the schools reopening, so teachers, SNAs, everybody involved in the running of a school will all be returning to work, to the workplace. And what happens if they're nervous about going back? Janice has contacted us to share her son's story. Good afternoon to you, Janice. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, your son, this would have been at the start of the pandemic, was it? That's right. That's oh. right. My son has, an un- he's in his 20s and he has an underlying condition okay. um, that would, uh, he would be a, a very vulnerable um, category. Um, so he came off work because he would be dealing with the public um, in a shop setting. Okay. And uh, he was not uh, eligible for the COVID payment because his job was still there. So it was, he wasn't eligible, eligible for it but he only got the ordinary unemployment rate, not the COVID rate, because his job actually wasn't lost. That seems a bit unfair, he, because he gave up the job, though, because of COVID. Exactly. And he gave up his job because he has an underlying medical condition, but he still was not eligible for the COVID payment. Yeah, that seems a bit, it seems very, very unfair. And I know yeah. that, you know, that people would have, would use a situation to give up a job, but his is very different. He was in a group that was told to cocoon and told to stay out of the public eye. And if you're working in a shop situation, you're dealing with the public every day. Exactly, exactly. And he did it for his old health reasons. Yeah, yeah. Both his families. And he, um, he eventually went back to work because he just couldn't afford to stay out any longer. Okay. And how is he getting yeah. on? Thankfully, he's he's good and like he wears his mask all the time and sanitizes and whatever. But yes, he is still dealing with the public. But thankfully, so far so good, you know. And he's just very cautious. Are you worried? I am. I've had, yeah. it, I've had to put it to the back of my mind yeah. because look, nobody knows who or when. Um, and look, all everyone can do, as far as I'm concerned, is do as good as you can do personally. That's it. That's it. And once he has his mask on and he keeps up the hand sanitising you know what I mean he can look after himself Uh, please God he will be fine All right. Okay. Okay. thank you for that Janice thank Thank you for that but that certainly is is clarity on somebody who gave up a job because they were nervous about it not certainly not entitled to the COVID-19 payment we're going to get on as I say Department of Education to find out about the schools Uh, Deals says Cathy do a fantastic reusable range of masks for anybody looking for them I think I actually bought one of them there the, the, the 250 ones I, I think I purchased uh, one of those. I have so many different masks now. I have, as I picked up as a suggestion from one of the listeners who has them all in a basket in the car, I actually have a basket now that's just inside the front door in our house. And as all the masks are getting washed, once they're dried, they're back into the basket so the people passing it can grab a mask on the way out. But I always have a mask in the car as well. I do think that's the key is to have a mask, clean mask in the glove compartment of the car and then wherever you go, you'll always have a mask. And it's just to remember to take it out with you as you head into the shop. Or we'll be doing so many journeys of you get to the shop door and you go back to the car and you pick it up again and out you go and and back into the and back into the shop again with with your mask on. Okay. There are some texts there. They're coming in for Peter Dowdle. Thank you for those. I'm just looking out on some of our texts in just to see that I'm catching up on all of uh, that I'm catching up on all of them. Hi, I lost my keys to a Ford Transit van in Kilcorny area. 
if anyone has found them it would be great as the van is important to my job and my livelihood and we have the listeners number I want we can call it out okay 087 415 4710 087 415 4710 there were keys lost to a Ford Transit van in the Kilcorny area up in Curragoo is that a C-U-R-R-A-G-U-E Curragoo I hope I'm pronouncing that right can people keep a look out for that please it's Ford Transit Van and uh, Councillor Declan Hurley thank you Declan um, sent this in earlier on to say Hi Trisha I received this text message from AIB Bank yesterday and it's is a text message saying your AIB online access is refrained due to apparent which is spelt wrong actions within your account to recover visit and it's recovery slash aib.com quick activity is required oh, the English is just so bad isn't it on that that is just jumping out straight away as a scam anyway Declan says it was not sent obviously from AIB I contacted the bank and they said it's a scam that's doing the rounds at the moment you might alert your listeners and ask them to be careful with these scams I mean some of them are very professional some of them you really would think they're coming from the bank the one with the Bank of Ireland that was doing the rounds that ended up in a thread that came from the original tech service or looked like it was coming from the tech service at Bank of Ireland that cut out so many people that was the one that Joe Duffy was doing over the last number of weeks even though I read in the papers yesterday that Bank of Ireland now are accepting that they were partially to blame there was some glitch in their system and they are refunding money which was good news but then every now and again you get texts like that that are very obviously scams when the spelling is wrong in it or the English the way it's phrased you know it's coming from somewhere overseas where English is not their first language so that should be alarm bells should start to ring immediately on that but thank you for that Declan and of course you'll get texts like that and you don't even bank you know say for example you're a Bank of Ireland customer and you get an AIB one you know then straight away it's a scam but they go on the line that they'll send it out to so many people and they will hit on people who genuinely do bank, bank with that particular branch so you just have to be very, very, very careful bringing your A game the whole time, even when we're picking up the telephone, talking of picking up the telephone, something I meant to say to you that happened to me last Friday. While I was here on the programme, my phone rang and I, my phone is with me here in the studio, but obviously it's, it's on silent and I have a phone that's a telephone that's linked to my watch so I could see that my phone was ringing and I could see the number it was an 089 number so I was thinking well whoever that is couldn't know me that well because anyone that knows me knows I'm on air from 10 to 1 so I can't take a call so I just ignored it and I said I'll ring the person back afterwards or they leave a voicemail if it's somebody trying to contact me so anyway the afternoon went on and I was busy and whatever and it was about half past three I'd say when I eventually said oh must look at that number to see who it is. So it wasn't anybody in my contact list. So I was like, oh, I wonder who it is. So I rang the number back and it rang out. Wasn't able to leave a message or anything. So next I got a text message almost immediately saying, who is this? Just had a missed call. And I text back going, I just had a missed call from you. So this person ended up ringing me. Lovely man from Kerry to say, you rang, he said, I returned your missed call. And I said, I'll take I said, I returned your missed call. So we got, I said, okay, let's backtrack. When did you receive a missed call from me? Says I. And he said, I got it at five past 12. And he said, I returned the call at 12.15. And was it exactly 12.15 that I saw the call come in? And I said, well, I didn't ring you at five past 12. And he said, could anybody else have used your phone? And I said, no, I work in radio. 
the phone was with me in the studio I got your call I certainly didn't didn't ring you and there was nothing in my dialed numbers to say that I'd rang this gentleman so I said no and he then said he's been having a lot of scam calls at the moment and he was talking about the Amazon Prime one and I said that's funny we only dealt with that on the programme on Friday but he was getting scam calls from outside of Ireland but he was getting ones that were also masked as if they were coming from an Irish mobile number and I said well I certainly haven't called you so we said our goodbyes whatever and I said how has and and he had my number he read my number back perfectly and, and whatever really genuine guy and I was saying how has that happened so I went online to do some investigation into it and I discovered it's something called telephone spoofing where scammers will get genuine phone numbers and they will use them trying in the hope that somebody sees a normal mobile number coming up on their phone and then they'll pick up an answer. But obviously it isn't coming from my phone. They're only using my number. My caller ID is only being used and nothing else. And it's called telephone spoofing. And it seemingly is, is quite common. And it's been around for about two years and I'd never heard of it before. I saw some really bizarre st- stories from America where it seemed to have started, where one woman, her phone was literally ringing off the hook with people saying, you've just rang me, you've just rang me, you've just, I'm returning your call, I'm returning your call. And it's, and the only way you can stop it is to, the phone companies can do nothing for you. And the only way you can stop it is to change your, change your number, which I'm very slow to do because I've only been spoofed once and I'm hoping that whatever scam artist decided to use my number that they've only used it once and haven't used it anymore. And unless I start getting a lot of calls from unknown numbers returning, saying that they've had a call from me, but the call wasn't, didn't come from me. But it's called telephone spoofing just to let people know about it because they say it's a new one on me. And I asked about, I asked John Paul about it as well. And he said he hadn't, he hadn't come across it either. So certainly it, uh, it's, it's a new one, but they just, they're so clever, these people, aren't they? That's what always annoys me about them. If they only use their intelligence for something else instead of trying to scam money out from us. OK, send me a text. Hi, Patricia. I had to go out and I'm wondering, please, did you get a reply when I asked you when is it Bantry Cross or is it Doris Cross when you were calling out the details for Paddy Sheen's funeral tomorrow. Okay, all I can tell you is that it says it's tour more. The cortege leaves tour more half past eleven tomorrow morning. Doris at twelve noon. Ballydehob at twelve forty, and then it says after Ballydehob via Bantry Cross, Barnaguiha, and then Skull. 12.55. So to me it's Bantry Cross not Doris Cross and it's on RIP.ie under PJ Sheehan's death notice if you want to check it out and if you want to find out more about it but that's what it's, it seems to be Bantry uh, Cross. Also can anybody answer this please Patricia I'm just wondering does anybody know why did the healing prayers for Father John Keane, why were they suspended in McCroom on Wednesdays? Does anybody know? Are they just off for a couple of weeks or are they coming back? If people can let us know on that. Mary says, hi, about teachers going back to work. Give them the €350 Euro COVID payments that other workers got when their place of work closed and they might get over their fears fairly quickly, says uh, Mary. 
1850 Thanks for all the advice on face masks. As another listener, I found hand sanitizer can also permanently leave stains on handbags. So advise people, please. That's because there's alcohol in it it can I ruined one leather bag actually the outside of leather bag I was putting on hand sanitizers and some of it splashed on it and it left a stain as well something I hadn't thought about either we're learning so much are we not as we go along ok get your gardening questions in Peter Dowdell the Irish Gardener dot com is going to join us you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and Peter Dowdell the Irish Gardener dot com joining us good afternoon to you Peter Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Is the sun shining on you? <coughs> yes, the sun is always shining on me. <laughs> um, no, it's glorious now today. It's glorious. I, I suppose it is everywhere, I think, across the country. It's no, we are, we, we, we're under a very heavy, thick cloud. We've been hearing the city is, gor- is gorgeous and I don't, I don't know if West Cork is the sun was shining I know yesterday and we had this thick cloud but then it just went, it went away yesterday and the sun came out so we're, we're hoping that the same is going to happen this afternoon we will hang in Hopefully. there Okay there are so many questions in we'll do our best to get through as many of them as we can Let's start with this one Hi Peter I've grown a few yellow lupins from seeds in a pot they really need to be put into the ground they're gone so big now can I do do it now by flooding the hole that I dig with plenty of water and not disturbing the roots once taking the plant from the pot. Thanking you so much. By the way, we were down in West Cork yesterday and my God, the fuchsia was incredible. No photos could do it justice, particularly around Union Hall in Baltimore. Do you know, you're so right. The, the hedgerows of Ireland are alive with colour now. They're, I'm for years going on about how they really are one of our our most undersung natural resources. They're, they're hives, pardon the pun, of biodiversity activity. They re- and they look stunning. You have you've the purple loose trife, you have ragwort, I know, which will divide people's opinion on, and you have the, the Montbretia and, of course, the fuchsia. But they're just looking fantastic at the moment. And because everyone's staycationing, I hope everyone's getting a, a chance to appreciate them. Uh, and photographs won't do them justice. But getting back to the the lupin <clears throat> seedling, and well done for for growing them from seed. That the first thing I should say when you're growing a lupin from seed, just because you grew it from a yellow lupin, it's not guaranteed that it's going to come yellow. Uh, it could come any color. So seeds and, and seedlings aren't necessarily going to be true to type. So there might be different colors. But anyway, uh, planting it from a pot into the ground is never really a problem. So doing it at this time of the year is fine. Do give it plenty of water. Also with lupins, if you are planting them in the ground, don't bury the, the crown of the plant. Don't bury them deeply. Leave the crown of the plant, which is just you know where the, the, the plant meets the soil or the root system. Just leave that slightly proud of the, of the soil level because they can tend to get waterlogged, particularly over winter, and that would they'll just simply die off. So do leave it slightly proud of the soil surface. Um, but planting it from a pot into the ground at this time of the year is fine. Doing it the other way around, taking something out of the ground at this time of the year, an absolute no-no. Yeah, because I think that's answered the question for Tom and for Moy, who says, I've got rose bushes set and a number of other plants, that fl- plants that come back every year. But the topsoil isn't great. I want to actually raise the flower bed and put in new topsoil. I'm wondering when is the best time to do that kind of a work, that kind of a job. Take the plants out and yeah, put them back in again. Absolutely the right thing to do. <coughs> Excuse me, improve the soil, the soil content and the soil quality. That's absolutely the right thing to do. Uh, but yeah, the, the worst time of the year imaginable to be doing it. Uh, you do that kind of work in the middle of the winter, anytime from November to February when the plants are fast asleep so they have a chance to, to repair any root damage caused in the move. 
during that low period, if you like. So they get a chance to repair the damage to the roots before they start actively growing again next spring. So November to January is the time to do that. I have big bushes, hydrangeas, four large bunches of them. They haven't flowered at all this year. Why no flowers? I'm presuming from the the question that they've flowered in previous years, obviously. So uh, difficult always to say, but I would say if they're big established clumps of of hydrangeas, they'll probably benefit uh, during the winter now this year or early spring of of a, what's called a restorative prune, which means if you if you've got bunches of hydrangeas which haven't been touched for years, you need to start pruning a lot of the older wood out of it. So if you go into the base of that plant, Trish, you'll see some stems could be as thick as your arm or my arm. Um, with, with many, many side shoots coming off them. So you, you don't want to go in and take off all that growth in one go because that could be too severe, too much of a shock to the plant. You want to do it, maybe 30 to 50% of that really old growth comes out of it this, this winter, early, early next year. Uh, and then the following year, you remove the other 50, 30 to 50%. Um, so you can do it over two or three seasons. And that should produce much more vibrant growth and much more vibrant flowers. And I would say that that is the problem if it has never been pruned that will do it also feeding it then next spring with the good quality tomato food like the nature safe tomato food which has the seaweed in it the irish one that's an excellent one uh, that will help however if it's a question of and she doesn't say this in the question um that it was pruned last year or they were pruned last year well then that could also be the reason they could have been pruned a bit too hard which will mean that we often mean that they won't flower this year but they will next They'll year. Come back I next suspect year. the first answer is probably correct. Mm. I suspect that they have never been touched and now is the time to do it. This is the year to do it. Okay, an email in from Anne. Hi Peter, I have two apple trees, one growing against a fence and one standing alone. This year and last year I got beautiful blossom, beautifully growing apples and then horror of horror, once they began to grow, they all, almost all, got diseased and rotted. Help me to eliminate this. So should I cut my losses or cut the trees and start again? They're both trees are about 10 years old, thinking you. Well, I would say no, don't cut the trees and start again. Um, but, but do cut them a bit, if you know what I mean. They will need a pruning. That's that's a kind of a fungal rot that they're getting, which one I'm not sure without seeing it. Um, I thought she was going to say that once the apples form, they just fall off, which is an easy one to answer because that's, that's drought at that time of the year. So if anybody else has that problem, that's what that is. But when they're rotting on the tree and falling off, it's a fungal infection. Um, prune it, and I would say prune it during the month of November. Don't do it now either. So wait till kind of November. Prune it um, Prune it quite hard. You want to prune off any diseased growth. Now, it's not going to be easily po- possible to see diseased growth. Uh, so prune it quite hard. What you want to do is One's growing against the wall, isn't it? Yeah. And one, one is growing as a standalone. Yeah. So the st- the standalone, you want to create what's called an open bush centre, Trish, which means, is as it sounds, really, that the centre of the bush is open. So you have, let's say, three, four or five branches, or maybe even six branches, but all facing outwards to form this perfect open crown so that there's good air circulation through the plant. So if you have any crossing branches or if it's very congested with growth, that's ideal conditions for the development of these fungal problems. So it, it's what we call cultural control in the first instance. So good pruning, removing the, the infected growth and creating a good growing environment within uh, and, and then treat it, drench the soil around it and the tree itself. Oh, sorry, don't do this in November, but drench it in early spring with a solution of copper sulfate uh, and water, which which is my go to, if you like, a, a broad spectrum organic fungicide. Now, it is organic and it is safe to use in a food crop. But it is copper sulfate, so you'd only use it once a year, maximum. 
So you do that just as the buds, the leaf buds are coming back into to leaf next early spring. Prune it in November. And with the one that's growing against the wall, you do exactly the same. Prune it in November, feed, or treat it with the copper sulfate in the spring. But your pruning is slightly different without going into it and taking up your whole program. Uh, you want to, again, bear in mind that you don't want congested growth. You don't want crossing branches. You want a good air circulation. So less is more at the end of the, the pruning process. Less branches, but uh, strategically placed is what you're looking for. Okay, because Willie in Inascara has an apple tree and he says the main stem is rotting. It looks like scab on the stem. He's had it about five years. He said the apples are all okay and they're all growing fine, but the stem is the problem. Well, that's that's the way he's describing that. I would say it's I'd nearly say 100 percent without seeing it, but I'd nearly say 100 percent. That's a, a canker, cankerous lesion. So more, most likely a bacterial canker, which will um, it will kill the tree. The tree will die. However, there's not, no harm in eating the, the, the apples off it. What will happen over it will it will degenerate over time. But I mean, I remember growing up in Dunsland where I was, we had old apples there, which must have been, I don't know, 50, 60 years old or more. Uh, and they were all riddled with canker. But I, we were eating apples often for thirty or forty years, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so the, the the it will kill the tree. It will lessen in growth, and very often your apples might have spots on them, and there might be other infections connected with the canker. Uh, when it's on the main stem like that, there's absolutely nothing you can do. The only thing I would say, if you have other apple trees nearby, and if they don't have any signs of canker, this will spread, and it will spread quite quickly. So if you have other ones around and they're clean, I would remove this one as a matter get of fact. Get rid of it, yeah, get if, rid of it. If, if, it's, if it's on its own, leave well alone. Okay, another email, this one from Myrtle. We've got five very large Leylandi trees. They're over 30 years old. Is there anything we can do short of removing them altogether as they're very close to the house? Not really. I'm afraid Myrtle is the short answer. No, because they don't respond well to pruning. So in other words, if you prune them in hard, you know, from the side or down, uh, you, you'll be pruning into this woody brown growth, which will never regenerate. It'll never green up like it might in a deciduous with a deciduous plant or, or with some other evergreens. With the Leyland and any conifers, they just won't green up. So really, there's very little you can do. And their life, the lifespan for Leylands, now obviously you'll have people saying mine are older than this and mine are older than that, but the lifespan tends to be in and around 30 to 40 years. So uh, I would say it's probably coming to the end of their lifespan anyway. Uh, and it's a, I know it's a bit of a dose and a bit of a job to get rid of them, but I think I would do it sooner rather than later. Get get them down uh, and have a, if you need a replacement for privacy or for screening or shelter, have that ready to go immediately. Yeah, and it goes to show, doesn't it, the fact that Myrtle says it's they're close to the house and obviously nervous of a storm or whatever and the tree's coming down. Yeah. You have to be so careful when you're planting a tree to think about what's that tree going to look like in 20 or 30 years' time and how close is it to the actual house? It's such. It's probably one of the most important things you have to bear in mind when when starting a garden from scratch. Trish is just that, and will it cause physical damage to to the to the property, or God forbid, to a human, and also things like root interference. But also outside of anything as dramatic as that, if they're too close to the house, they're going to drastically reduce the sunlight entering the house, which is a whole quality of life life yeah, issue. Yeah. It may seem less important and gradual and all the rest of it, but. If you're not getting enough sunlight into the house, it has such a such an implication on, on your overall well-being. Good point. Hi, Patricia. Could you ask Peter what to do with lilies after flowering and the foliage is after falling back? That's from Mags. Well, that's great now, Mags, because that's the right question at the right time. <laughs> so when, when the lilies have flowered, you treat their bulbs. So you treat them as you would daffodils or tulips or anything, any of the other bulbs. They're just spring flowering. Um 
So the, the lilies will have done their flowering, the foliage has now gone brown and the stem has gone brown and died back. So all the, the grow all the goodness, if you like, the food reserve has gone back into the, the swollen bulb. So now is the time to cut off that brown growth. If you want to, the textbook answer, lift the lily bulb out of the ground. If it's been a couple of years since it was lifted, you could easily divide it now into two or three or maybe even more bulbs. Um, and then wrap them in a bit of paper, store them somewhere cool and dry until planting out again anytime from kind of November on or even as late as February or March next year you could plant them uh, or once you've cut the foliage back that's the textbook answer as I say I'm a bit of a lazy gardener so I cut the foliage back but then I'll just leave them in the garden and they'll come on again next year that isn't always the case so I better preface that by saying that's not always the case if you do leave them in the ground you do risk losing them from winter wet or even maybe winter cold or maybe something in the soil but they tend to be resilient enough. They're kind of a little bit like the daffodils and we have that argument every year whether to take the daffodil bulbs out of the ground or whether to leave them in. Exactly, It's exactly the same. From a horticultural point of view, it's exactly the same, just the, the lilies flower later. But yeah, some bulbs, I would say you absolutely must take out of the ground to be sure of them coming back next year, like tulips, for example. But alliums, lilies, daffodils, yeah, I would certainly leave them in the ground, maybe take them out every two or three years to divide them. Hi, advice please from Peter. What can I put down to kill bindweed without killing my flowers? It's taking over. I have lots of rose bushes and shrubs. Thank you, that's from Bridget. If only Bridget there was such a, a simple solution that I could give on, on the radio. Bindweed is a curse, con- convolvulus to give it its correct name. Um, it is as it sounds for anybody who doesn't know it. it. It just binds its way around plants. It uses plants to support itself as it grows upwards. It has this most beautiful, if you can bring yourself to admire it, this most beautiful white flower, uh, but it is a curse of a thing. There's no, first of all, I, I don't like to use weed killers anyway, but there is no weed killer that will selectively kill bindweed and nothing else. So in other words, if you put a weed killer on it, uh, it will kill the host as well. So you're rolling that as well. I don't have a magic wand on this one, I'm afraid. The only thing I can suggest is keep pulling it out of the ground. Now, of course, when you pull it, the root is like elastic, so it'll just snap and it will come again. But if you keep pulling it over the years, it will weaken, it will lessen, you will reduce it. I'm not going to say you'll ever eliminate it because I don't think you will, but you will certainly reduce its its prevalence. And the earlier you get it, obviously, uh, the better because it can't climb up the, the plants. Um, if you did want to use a weed killer, which I'm not recommending, if you can untwine it from the plant that it's on, uh, get a layer of plastic like polythene and leave leave the roots in the ground untwine it and lie the, the lengths of it then on the, the, the plastic and apply a weed killer then that way as I say I'm not recommending it but, but that is a way of spraying it without without harming the plant but even if you do that it, I think it's, you're still only weakening it far better far safer environmentally and far quicker to, to just keep pulling it from the ground but you will never beat it I'm mm. afraid Okay, Marie says, what would cause a dahlia stalks to collapse? It's hard to say now without seeing that one. Uh, it could be it could be physics. It could be simply that the, the flowers, some of the flowers of the dahlias can get to dinner plate size. It could just have got too big. Uh, it could be physical damage, like it could have been hit by something. It could be a, a fungal problem or it could even be slug damage, where a slug might have taken a munch and taken a hole in the, in the stem and that, then it's collapsed. But without seeing it, I'm afraid it's, it's difficult to say for sure. Listen to this. Hi, uh, uh, hi Peter. Um, what greedy mad bird or insect would strip my apple, pear and cherry trees of all fruit in two days flat? Not even one piece of fruit on the floor. 
you want an ornithologist to answer it, but I'd say any hungry bird in the neighborhood would do it, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, it, it, the, 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 I was going to use the word problem, but not problem. The, the challenge, I suppose, when growing fruit trees and fruit bushes is keeping it from the birds. And you know I'm a big fan of, of putting in plants to feed and to attract the birds and the insects. And, uh, you know, you might create a monster by putting in too many of the fruit bushes and that you'll have loads and loads of birds and no fruit. So the challenge is to really you need to put netting up over them if this is going to be a problem or create a fruit cage, which is, as it sounds, you, you create a, a, a wire cage and grow the fruit trees and fruit bushes within. Obviously, very, very ugly look. Well, sorry, you know, it may not suit every garden. Mm. But, Doesn't um, look great. But very, but very effective. Yeah, it will, it will stop birds getting into it. Like, if you want to put netting up over it as a temporary situation without creating a fruit, cra- fruit cage, uh, do bear in mind that it's not just enough to, to drape the netting over the fruit because they'll just peck through it. You need to suspend the netting uh, above and on all sides of the tree so that the birds can't get at the fruit. It's a lot it's of a work. Bit of work it's afraid. a lot of work. Mary and Butterman, our rhododendron bush was cut back this week. Will the flowers grow back? Says Mary and Butterman. Uh, no, I would say unlikely for next year. Uh, rhododendrons will pr- will produce next spring's flowers on on buds that are produced this kind of July, August, September. So by cutting it back right now or last week, you probably will sacrifice next year's flowers. Hopefully, no long term damage to the plant, though. But and it'll flower again the following year, all going well. Uh, it depends how hard it was cut back too though so you don't want to have removed too much of the foliage at this time of the year or else you may have done some damage to it but if there's enough greenery left uh, I'd say the plant will be fine but yeah no flowers next spring I think Hi Peter I have a cyclamen plant plenty of leaves but no flowers I did get a few flowers at Christmas Uh, any advice please? It depends on which cyclamen plant it is. So if it's one of those, what we refer to as bedding cyclamen, which it, which it probably is, if it was a pot plant at Christmas, uh, they shouldn't be flowering at this time of the year, so don't worry, it'll be later in the year. Those bedding ones tend to be just that. They're grown for one season. They're, they're winter bedding as opposed to summer bedding. So you just grow them for the, the winter and Christmas season, and then if they come back next year, you take it as a bonus because they're not they're not suited to our climate in in the long term. However, if it's one of the ones the cyclamens like Neapolitanum or or Heterofolium or Cyclamen Coom, these are all cyclamens. These are what I would refer to as the woodland cyclamens. You know, you'd see them trish under trees and they're gorgeous. The older garden, yeah, they really are gorgeous. So if that's what it is, but I think it isn't. But if that's what it is, some of them will be autumn flowering. So you're just a bit too early. You'll see the, the flowers in a couple of weeks. Some will be spring flowering. So again, obviously you wouldn't see the flowers this time of the year. Uh, but if it's the pot plant one that you had bought, let's say in flower last Christmas, uh, the fact that you've managed to keep it alive is good. But I wouldn't expect to see flowers on it again for, for another few months. OK. All right. We'll leave it there. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Peter. Enjoy thank the you, Enjoy the sunshine. It really is terrific. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye-bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, our resident uh, gardener, and you can check him out on uh, Facebook, uh, The Irish Irish Gardener. Okay, um, on Paddy Sheehan's funeral for tomorrow, uh, we've been reading out the details of Paddy's funeral cortege, which will be the final farewell to his many loyal friends and supporters tomorrow, starting in in tour more. And we've been reading it out. We got this information from RIP.ie, and there seems to be some confusion about the information that says that they will be in Doris at 12 noon, Bally de Hobbit at 12.40 and then in brackets it says via Bantry Cross and Barnaguiha then on to Skull for 12.55 and arriving in Goleen at approximately half past one and a listener was on to say is that Bantry Cross or is it Doris Cross and I said the information I have according to RIP.ie is Bantry Cross slash 
Barnaguiha. Somebody has come back to say it's Doris Cross. Okay. And as I say, I don't know the area well enough within that much detail. And I've checked with John Paul and he's confused as well. So we will do we assume from this listener who says it's Doris Cross that it is somebody in the know. And that's the funeral arrangements for the late Paddy Sheen and you can check it all out on rip.ie Okay, that's where I leave you for today I just want to send the best of luck I've been told that Ruben O'Callaghan from Glanthorn is cycling from Mizzenhead to Malinhead and that's in aid of Ark House there's a GoFundMe page to raise money they've raised almost €2,000 and the Darren DC Caroline DC ranked to say her son Darren from Rena Screener she joined him from Mizzen to Limerick and Ruben completed the cycle uh, yesterday well done okay that's what I've got to leave you for today thanks to John Paul and to Sadie we're back with you tomorrow at 10 you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.